You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Life is full of ups and downs. So I mean this. Therapy is for everyone. It makes a big difference. And Talkspace made it easy to find a therapist that felt like the right fit. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform, and it's affordable accessible, it's secure and HIPAA compliant, and there's no commute or parking hassles. Mental health care made easy, right from your home. That's Talkspace, and they have licensed therapists in over 40 specialties ready to help you feel your best. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com and use code SCOUNDREL. To match with a licensed therapist today, Go to Talkspace.com and use code SCOUNDREL to get $100 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's SCOUNDREL at Talkspace.com. On November 20th, 2013, Wang Chi of Liaoning Province, China, is sentenced to life in prison. She's the only child of a handyman and a bank clerk, both of whom have lived a quiet life. 32-year-old Wang Chi, however, has not. And when the verdict lands, it marks the end of five very long years. Now, she will go to prison for life. It's not the news a parent ever wants to hear. And yet, this is happening. Wang Chi's mother and father have no smiles and might not for quite some time. But it's the sight of two people at the back of the courtroom that bring a catch into her throat. Wang Chi's ex-husband, holding their daughter in his arms. It's not the verdict, but their tears that break her heart. Grifter, scam artist, con woman, many names describe the woman sentenced here this day. For nearly five years, Wang Chi ran one of the most successful financial fraud schemes in Beijing. This after abandoning her family for China's capital, where she reinvented herself as a powerful socialite with a mysterious background. She propelled herself all the way to the top of the social hierarchy in a scheme so convoluted, so obscure, that it succeeded beyond what she ever imagined. In just a few years, Wang Shi defrauded athletes, actors, celebrities, and more to collect nearly $10 million. Riches and luxuries from around the globe, all hers, along with social standing and fame across China. On this day, however, in a packed courtroom for all to see, it all comes crashing down. Like Icarus of old, Wang Chi dreams and soars, but in the end, she flies too close to the sun. This is a story of ambition, of a willingness to do whatever it takes to rise to the top, which, yeah, does sound like a good thing. But it's also a story of greed, of scandal, and losing sight of what a person originally set out to be and do. It's never enough. And because of that, the story turns into a tragedy. History happened. The good, bad, the ugly. This is the underside of history. The lesser known pieces lost in the bigger picture of time. From the creators of myths and legends and from cast media, this is Scoundrel, history's forgotten villains. We're Jason and Carissa Weiser. Join us every episode as we explore the dark, quirky, and bizarre history that you might not have heard before, but really should. Dalian, China. 
Early 2008, five years before Wang Chi is sentenced to life in prison, a crowd roars at the packed Jinzhou Stadium. 31,000 loyal fans cheer the Dalian Shide Football Club toward victory. The stadium is a buzz, and the foundation shakes with the hammering feet of supporters. Once, Dalian Shide ranked among the best soccer teams in China. Three years prior, the team won the China Super League, the nation's top flight. These days, however, Dalian Shide struggles at the bottom of the standings. Their fans, however, are loyal. They're loud, boisterous, and they're here. Beside the pitch, player Wang Shen sits on the bench. He's seen his glory days on the field, and while he's still an athlete, this year has brought a noticeable changing of the guard. He scans the crowd, and when he finds the one he's looking for, he smiles. It's Wang Chi, his wife, but she doesn't see him wave. In fact, she doesn't seem to be paying attention to anyone in her family. Not her daughter, not her mother sitting right next to her. All her attention is on the other wives and girlfriends of the Dalian players. Mrs. Group. That's what the local papers call the elite circle of sports wives and girlfriends in the region. They're all local celebrities known for their fashion and drama to the point that anyone associated with this Mrs. Group, including Wang Shi, stands out as some of the most influential people in the region. Even compared to the richest and most powerful people in the province, it's a special place to be. A special position now threatened by a husband's lack of playing time. If Wang Shen is no longer relevant, neither will be Wang Qi. And that's the problem, a very big problem, especially because Wang Shi always envisioned the Mrs. Group and Dalian Shide as a stepping stone, not the end. This is supposed to take her 100 miles across the sea to Beijing, where she could rise among real celebrities, like movie and TV stars known throughout Asia and the world. So it's time to jump ship, to save herself from the sinking Wang Shen, while she still can. Marriage to a soccer player was always the beginning, and it still is. It's just not the future that Wang Shi or anyone else could imagine. It began as something called drive. All throughout childhood, no matter the size of the obstacle, she set her sights on overcoming it. There was always a little more something to be had, and nothing could hold her back. But with age, drive grew into something with a bigger appetite than just ambition, something deep within that could never be satisfied. This hunger made soccer player Wang Shen a good match for Wang Shi at the beginning. They were both going places, climbing the ladder together. But when his athletic prestige tapped out alongside the fading glory of Dalian Shide, it gave their marriage a shelf life neither of them expected. So when Wang Shen comes home to an empty apartment one summer day in 2008, it comes as a total shock. When he opens the door with their daughter in one arm and ice bags wrapped around his knees after a long day of training, it looks no different. The apartment is as it always was, modern and efficient. And yet, he can sense it, that underlying emptiness. He's known for some time that their relationship is over, but this makes it real, and it hurts. No note, no explanation, just gone. He's completely unaware that Wang Chi is arriving in Beijing. And she is just learning that the Summer Olympic Games are about to begin. The nation has poured billions into these games, and the air is full of anticipation and opportunity and national pride. But there's a darker side too. There's the poverty bulldozed to the fringes of the city, hidden from the lenses of international press and broadcasts that might find a crack in the veneer of prosperity throughout Beijing. 
there are the hastily constructed stadiums and buildings that will lay to waste as soon as the Olympics conclude. And then there's the pollution. In many ways, the Olympics, as they are for every host country, are an aspirational fantasy of how a nation wants to be that often obscures the harsher realities of what that nation is. What better time and place for Wang Shi to reinvent herself? Where else could she live the fantasy of a new life and identity while haunted by what she has left behind? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Jason and Carissa here. If you're enjoying Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains, we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review. Also, we'd love your feedback. Go to castmedia.com slash scoundrelfeedback and answer our survey. Thanks. Do you love narrative podcasts but don't want to listen to ads? Cast Media is now offering ad-free listening with a Cast subscription, Cast Plus. You get ad-free access to not only Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains, but also great shows like Opportunist, Vigilante, Good Cult, Nighty Night, Media Circus, and their new show, Lost in Panama. Along with ad-free listening, Cast Plus also includes bonus episodes and inside looks into making the shows. And this is just for Cast Plus subscribers. Find out more by going to castmedia.com slash castplus. That's castmedia.com slash K-A-S-T-P-L-U-S. You can listen to Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains, ad-free on Amazon Music. Eventually, Wang Shen, the husband, learns what has happened, and he agrees to continue supporting Wang Qi while she is in Beijing, treating her sojourn to the city as a trial separation. Maybe if he gives her the space, freedom, and support she demands, then one day, not too far into the future, she will return to their family. A dream. That will never happen because she will not return. From the beginning, Beijing is the exit plan for Wang Qi. And summer 2008 is the time to make it happen. Beijing is on the world stage, and the city is flush with new money and successful athletes. It helps, too, that Wang Shen's financial support and status as a professional athlete give her a seat at the table with the elite. It's not enough to transform her life, not yet. But it opens doors, and that is all she needs. Later that summer, Wang Qi finds herself at a wedding for an elite power couple. It's held at a five-star hotel, and although she doesn't know the bride and groom personally, Wang Chi has managed to land an invitation through the friend of a friend. When the reception begins, drinks flow and music vibrates the floor until the younger couples, swimming in the day's bliss, begin to wonder when it will be their turn to celebrate love. Wang Chi sits alone at a table, watching the festivities from the edge of the hall. She's sharing space with the elite of the elite, but she's not quite among them, not quite one of them. As she thinks, a man slides onto the chair beside her. This guy is lithe and angular, moving with the springiness of an athlete. He's in a tux, but his bow tie has long been discarded. Beads of sweat line his forehead, and Wang Chi catches a glimpse of a platinum necklace 
that glistens in the dance lights. He offers a hand and introduces himself. He is Xiao Qin. Clearly the name is supposed to mean something significant, but it doesn't. Yeah, okay, nice to meet you. That's it? This guy is not used to this, so he tries again. Xiao Qin, he's, okay, maybe she knows him by his other name? The Pony God? Hmm, yeah, again, nice to meet you. Wang Chi will come to learn that evening that Xiao Qin, the Pony God, is so named on the tales of his recent gold medal win on the pommel horse in gymnastics. He's one of China's new national heroes. No God, but his inner circle in the press are treating him like one. And sure, maybe he's starting to believe it. He's invincible after his Olympic success. And because he can do as he pleases, he chooses to party and collect girlfriends. He's arrogant, brash, a little bit naive, but he's somebody and he's ambitious, just how Wang Shen used to be. She accepts his offer for a drink and with each one, they lean closer and tension builds. Before the end of the night, the question comes, do you have a boyfriend or maybe a husband? The answer, of course, is yes. And that's not a problem for Xiao Chen. It's also not a problem for Wang Qi that he has several girlfriends. Besides, she tells him, he doesn't have a girlfriend like her. It's an evening that leaves them both wanting more as Xiao Chen is ushered away in an armored car. Wang Qi watches him go from the curb, waiting for a cab, and she is enthralled. One date becomes two, becomes three, and turns into seeing each other on the daily. Wang Qi and Xiao Chen are inseparable parading around Beijing's highest social circles. Dinners at top-rated restaurants, drinks on rooftop bars, exclusive VIP-only parties that are the envy of all the city's social climbers. Xiao Qin bounces around in the glow of his Olympic success, showing his gold medal to any who ask, and to many who do not. Wang Xi is the charming, mysterious stranger who materialized from the provinces with seemingly no history at all. All the while, money keeps coming in from Wang Shen, and with it, Wang Qi rents a high-rise apartment. She buys expensive purses, watches, and clothes. She starts driving an Audi, and she shops at all the luxury stores. She plays the part of Olympic champion's girlfriend to a T, while still maintaining enough aloofness to be mysterious. Isn't it everything she wanted? The envy, the wonder, all the hushed gossip whispered in her wake as she and the pony god make their way through a scene. And yet... There's one teeny tiny problem. Wang Shi may be mysterious, but unless she can link herself publicly to an impressive line of inheritance, like all the other people she's meeting, the rich and powerful won't ever accept her truly as one of their own. Her new acquaintances live and breathe the new life Wang Chi imitates. They can smell fraud a mile away too. That's the issue. This new crowd doesn't like people who weren't born into big money. And if they ever found out that Wang Chi was really the daughter of the working class, they would probably send her packing. She's sure of it, and it weighs heavily on her. Typically, when others press for details of her past, she says it's complicated. She sidesteps, never saying anything directly. Her parents, her family background, they were involved in policy management, public affairs, you know, that sort of thing. Wang Chi spills a little more with some of her closest friends and with Xiao Chen, knowing that when she laments that she's more than just a soccer player's wife from the provinces, 
Her wishes allowed that she could just be who she is, but sadly cannot, and then says nothing more, it leaves more questions than answers. And as the wonder percolates, those around her fill in answers of their own. Wang Chi is the child of rich foreign nationals. Wang Chi is on the run from criminals. Wang Chi is directly descended from ancient dynasties. She confirms or denies nothing, leaving everyone, including her boyfriend and dearest friends, wanting more. That is, until one day, when Wang Chi is at a rooftop bar with Xiao Qin and a couple of friends. They're drinking gin and tonics, and she says she can't hold it in anymore. It's too much. She swears everyone to secrecy, and when they agree, she tells all. She is from Dalian, yes, but she's not of Dalian. You know what I mean? She's not a provincial. She claims to have been born there out of necessity. Her father is Li Chongshun of the Politburo Standing Committee, she tells them. Her mother, Lu Qin, the former deputy minister. Everyone knows of them. And they also know that they were not spouses to each other. Wang Xi reveals that she is their daughter, born out of an affair. For their sake, the sake of their families, and for the sake of China, really, she was sent to Dalian at birth, her birthright hidden away for the good of the nation. It's a sea of gasps, an honor to hear this truth, this incredible secret truth. And Wang Shi lets them believe the lie. Her parents were a handyman and a bank clerk, and they were fantastic parents who gave their daughter a wonderful childhood. But to live the life Wang Shi desires, she has to bury their memory in the sand and walk away. And so she does. As far as lies go, this one's well thought out. There's no way to prove or disprove Wang Chi's story. You simply cannot ask two prominent members of China's national leadership if they have a secret love child living somewhere in the provinces. The risk of scandal would be too great. And so from that day forward, as far as anyone in her new life knows, Wang Chi becomes one of the elite, even if she has not always lived among them. One by one, doors swing open. She adds to her pile of luxury handbags and clothes. She buys Xiu Qin a new BMW, and he proclaims her to be his favorite girlfriend, which, wow, what an honor. And the two move in together. Wang Qi becomes the final word on fashion, luxury, and sophistication among all her friends. On the outside, life seems just about perfect. But while the doors fly open, there's one that Wang Qi prefers to stay closed. And behind that closed door, the power couple lives a very different life than they project. At just five years old, Xiao Qin entered one of China's prime athletic training academies, where his every basic need was taken care of so that he could focus on his sport. It helped to make him the Olympic medalist that he is. Only now that competition is over, Xiao Qin must adjust to a new life, one that requires cooking and cleaning and running errands. Like going to the bank, who does that? And also, how do I do that? Responsibilities fall on Wang Chi. She is the one keeping up appearances, spending so people remember how wealthy they are, despite Xiao Chen's Olympic success, not bringing much financial success. But the public doesn't know that, and they won't. Not with Wang Chi buying Xiao Chen an Audi and a Mercedes to go along with his BMW and closet stocked with the latest trends. For a long time, it's a solid facade. But one day, Wang Chi makes a mistake. She comes home with a pair of Prada sneakers for Xiao Chen. No, he wanted Balenciaga, come on. He grabs the shoes and chucks them at the wall. 
and everything comes to a head. Did he say Prada? No. No, he did not. Why is this so difficult? His other girlfriends don't have this problem. Should he go live with one of them? Whoa, no, 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 I... And what about his parents? The other day they were saying how she smelled of the provinces. Like, what was he supposed to do if his parents didn't like his girlfriend? I don't know, I just... Get it right, or go home. And so, Wang Chi solves the problem. She leaves a bag full of cash on the table every morning. Now, the pony god can treat himself every day and buy whatever he wants. No more miscommunication. Everybody's happy. Well, for a time. Yeah, for a time. Because the money goes fast, and Wang Shen begins to question his estranged wife's spending habits. He begins to call. First once a week, then a couple times, then every single day. Wang Shi never answers. Never blocks his number either. And so the missed calls and the voicemails pile up. Really, what can she say? It sounds bad to say, it's for my Olympian boyfriend with an insatiable taste for cars and fashion. So she says nothing. And she realizes she needs a second income, fast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. November 2008. Wang Qi and Xiao Chen go to Tiana Beach a sunny paradise off China's southern coast. It's for another wedding. This time it's for Yang Wei, Xiao Qin's teammate on the Chinese national team, and Yang Yun. At least it's supposed to be. All the guests are seated in chairs on the beach, waiting for the ceremony that was supposed to start over half an hour ago. And yet the couple is nowhere in sight. It starts as a low, rumbling hum that quickly gives way to the scream of an engine across the water. A speck grows into a speedboat racing across the waves, right up to the beach. Young Wei jumps off the deck and onto the sand, wearing a tux and a grin between outstretched arms. And then, because why wouldn't this happen, a hot air balloon floats over the guests and hovers over the water's edge. In the basket stands the bride, radiant in a flowing gown and diamond-studded crown. She waves to the crowd, just like a princess, Wang Chi thinks to herself and tosses a rope over the edge of the basket. The groom scrambles up the rope in that effortless way only a gymnast can manage, and the couple lands just feet away from the guests. On the ground, the couple is married by the men's gymnastics head coach, while Xiao Qin looks on with pride, admiring what his teammate accomplishes on this day. Wang Qi, however, watches with envy, unhappy that this is not her fairy tale unfolding on the beach. 
The feeling worsens after the bride changes into a $4.4 million red dress that will make appearances in the press for weeks after the ceremony. After that, it's champagne, caviar, cake, and speeches. And when many of the guests are feeling good and the men go off to set off fireworks, the bride and Wang Chi stand together on the beach. Both watch the glow of fireworks with a glass in hand, and in a lull, the bride turns to Wang Chi. The rumors, she asks, are they true? Wang Shi plays coy at first, letting silence do its work as usual. Eventually, she confirms the rumors are truth. I can hardly believe it, Young Yoon says. My heart aches for you. But what a story. What a story you have held in your heart all your life. This moment is the first time Wang Shi feels a genuine human connection to the elite. The person Young Yoon speaks about is fiction, yes but the bride's admiration is real. Weeks later, Young Yoon visits Wang Chi in the luxury high-rise apartment she shares with Xiao Qin. It's one of those rare days when the smog lifts and you can see Beijing stretch all the way to the horizon. Young Yoon looks out the window in awe of the city. The view is incredible, and Young Yoon wishes aloud, if only she could see this every day. If only she could have an apartment just like this one. You know... Wang Chi says, you could, with my help. The words are out before she realizes what she's saying. Where did that thought even come from? Young Yoon brightens at the thought, the opportunity, but how? And the words flow. Wang Shi shares that there are certain options afforded to people with a family like hers, like having access to another market that not everyone knows about. Young Yoon would have to pay cash all up front, of course, but in no time, she could own a place just like this one. Days later, Young Yoon hands her new friend a thick envelope stuffed with cash. The apartment is in sight, and it's almost ready, Wang Chi beams. But Young Yoon owns it. She definitely does. There's just like a few renovations and paperwork left to take care of. It's just taking a smidge longer than anticipated. For this price, Young Yoon doesn't care. She even buys two additional apartments from Wang Shi. Soon, word spreads about these great deals. Even though Wang Shi demanded secrecy, and socialized lineup to make deals too. She takes on a new career as a prestige broker to the best connected in Beijing. Cars and real estate, it doesn't matter. She can get it all at cut rate prices. As long as her marks, I'm sorry, her friends, pay all cash upfront and in full. But at some point, if you're making all kinds of deals, you're gonna have to come through with your end of the bargain. And Wang Shi finds a solution. All these real estate deals are really just rentals. She takes the money and she goes out and rents whatever the person has requested, be it a Ferrari or a condo, and then she pays the real owners every month. Occasionally, her marks receive a piece of mail showing their car or property in someone else's name. And when that happens, Wang Chi laughs it off. She explains that this is how these particular sorts of deals work. Sometimes they use fake names, don't worry about it. Well, who are any of her friends to argue with a great deal? They don't need details. They just need that super nice apartment or that car or, you know, multiples of each. So it all goes swimmingly until suddenly it does not. This whole time, Wang Chi has been using some of the cash to pay for rentals, some of it to pay off Xiao Chen's credit cards and everything else he wants. The money begins to accrue and soon they're actually pretty rich, not ruling class rich, but they've got a lot of money. 
certainly more than Wang Qi hoped for. At this point, she no longer needs Wang Shen's money, and he starts to back off. By the early months of 2009, Wang Qi and the Pony God are the talk of the town. They even start planning to open a luxury car dealership, which would give Wang Qi a legitimate way to outrun the lie that's been supporting her lifestyle. It won't ever happen, though. One day, Wang Shi returns home laden with shopping bags, only to find a figure dressed in all black waiting outside her door. The air feels different, and she immediately knows that something is not right. It's Zhu Shuangshuang, and just last week, Wang Qi got her a deal on a Mercedes. Except she's not like the other victims. Zhu Shuangshuang is a self-made, high-powered entertainment agent. There's nothing soft or complacent about her, and she's full-on scowling when Wang Shi arrives home. I know everything, she says, after following Wang Shi inside without an invitation. Zhu Shuangshuang has the receipts, actual proof, and she's traced her supposed ownership of a new Mercedes to the truth. She presents her evidence, and when Zhu Shuangshuang finishes, Wang Qi knows that she's been made. There is no story, no lie, no invention that will get her out of this one. Wang Shi crumbles. She confesses to it all that she's a fraud and she's scared and she'll do anything to get out of this situation. To her surprise, Zhu Shuangshuang breaks a smile. Nothing bad is gonna happen. She wants in, is all. And just like that, Wang Qi's improvised scheme, born out of a desperate attempt to impress, becomes far more structured. Zhu Shuangshuang has a Rolodex full of Beijing's rich and famous. She makes the introductions, Wang Qi makes the sale, they both take their cut, they both get rich. Millions upon millions rich. Mid-2009. The time has come and Yang Yun wants her apartments, the ones she paid cash for and is tired of waiting on. Every time she asks Wang Shi about them, the answer is always the same. Hold on, just a little longer. Man, that contractor really is taking forever. By March 2010, Yang Yun is completely fed up. She calls the property manager for the places she bought and lambasts him for the delayed move-in date. But the property manager thinks it's strange. The apartments have been move-in ready for months. Let me connect you to the property owner to see what's going on. That single comment starts unraveling the entire ball of yarn. Because Young Yoon is the property owner, right? Well, no. In fact, the property manager probably shouldn't be talking with her at all. Not even two months after Zhu Shuangshuang cut herself in on the scheme, Wang Shi finds herself facing a room full of 15 past clients. They're athletes, musicians, actors, and more. They're all agitated too, a growing mob united by the costly con they had all walked into. But enough is enough, and Young Yoon steps to the front. The back and forth begins the same as it did before. Is it a lie? How much is not true? All of it? So they don't own any of the real estate, any of the cars? This time, however, is different. Instead of wanting in, the 15 want out. The money, their money. They demand that Wang Qi give it all back. But she cannot. It's not possible to give it back. By now, Wang Qi is weeping, spinning her wheels, truly starting to panic. She confesses everything, but it does nothing to help. 
She begs for forgiveness, but that's not what the people want either. Their money. That's what they want. Now give it back. Wang Chi begs them to call the police to have her arrested if they want, but they unanimously refuse. This cannot go public. The embarrassment will not be theirs. Wang Chi must find a way to make this right herself. For 24 excruciating hours, they hold Wang Shi hostage in her own apartment. She's shamed and interrogated, and at the end, the crowd realizes that she's no deceitful mastermind, just an ambitious fool who talked her way into an impossible situation. They let her go when she finally agrees to pay everything, all $10 million. On her way out, the final message is clear. Wang Chi has no choice. She sells off some of the cars first, a Mercedes, an Audi, even the pony god's beloved BMW M3. He, of course, has questions, and he's angry. Why did she have to go and ruin everything? She reveals the situation, and it does not help. Even with selling the cars, Wang Shi still owes millions. She's going to have to dig even deeper. And so, for a year, Wang Chi and Zhu Shuangshuang build a scheme on top of their scheme. They need new marks to pay off their old ones. And in keeping the money moving, they take no personal profits. Every bit of income goes to somebody else. In time, they grow exhausted and scared, rarely speaking to one another. And in the silence, Wang Shi begins to wither away. Sleep becomes difficult. Her appetite disappears, and she sees less and less of her boyfriend who's taken to hanging out with other girlfriends. When the police knock on Wang Shi's door a year later, maybe she feels a little relieved. One of her victims has grown tired of waiting for the money and has reported Wang Shi to the police. It is over. The trial is swift and final. And in 2013, Wang Shi is sentenced to life in prison. Everyone sees it. The press, her parents, her now ex-husband, Wang Shen, he will have to explain to their daughter why her mother must go away forever. The judge, he doesn't want any of this. He can see Wang Shi's contrition. He is sure that she will not commit another crime, and in fact, she will likely become a happy and productive citizen with a lighter punishment. But Chinese law demands the maximum sentence in light of the number of Wang Shi's victims, 27 in total by the end, and the amount of money involved, nearly $10 million. So, life it is, and the judge's flat stare as Wang Chi is whisked away betrays none of his sympathy. And what of Wang Chi's accomplice? What of her boyfriend? Neither are in attendance the day of her sentencing. Zhu Shuangshuang has already been sentenced to eight years in prison, and she waits for the arrival of her partner in crime. Xiao Chen, the pony god, however, has disappeared. He, too, was charged as an accomplice, but he missed his court date and is nowhere to be found. Rumors circulate that the Chinese government whisked away one of their most celebrated athletes to prevent the embarrassment that his trial would surely produce. He'll turn up now and again in photos and gossip columns for the next few years. But as of 2013, the pony god is no longer a revered deity. With her ankles shackled and her hands cuffed, Wang Shi leaves the courtroom. Her whole life, traded for five years of riches in Beijing. She flew far, and she flew high, and now, when the punishment is no longer an abstract idea, but reality, is there any way she can do what Icarus could not? Is there any way to land safely on the ground? 
Eventually, her sentence is reduced. She will be released in 2035, and in 12 years, she will be able to put her feet firmly on the ground and try to live once again. Hey everyone, a quick but important note, Scoundrel has been put on hiatus. It's been our pleasure to host this show produced by Cast Media, and we hope you've enjoyed the ride just as much as we have. Feel free to connect with us on social media or through our other shows, but from us, the Wisers, thank you so much for listening. Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains is executive produced by Jason and Carissa Weiser and Colin Thompson. Today's episode was written by Timothy L. Fosbury. It's produced by DJ Lubell, edited and sound designed by Anton Doty, and mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains is a cast original podcast. Hey everyone, Jason and Carissa here. If you're enjoying Scoundrel, History's Forgotten Villains, we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review. Also, we'd love your feedback. Go to castmedia.com slash scoundrelfeedback and answer our survey. Thanks. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.